Can you hear me? Because I can't hear me. Can you hear me? Oh, there we go. Okay. I didn't have my sound up over here. So Nicole Blades is in the house, author, and she's beautiful. My Lord. <laughs> so let me let me just quickly tell the story of why I found you. Okay. So Adrian Nivis, is that how you say her name? Nivis? Nivis. Yeah. Nivis. So she was on Facebook Live. She had gotten your book and she she had been talking about this book arrival like a few days up to its arrival. So she had a big reveal on Facebook and I just happened to catch it. And she was so excited. I was like, oh, okay, you is that? So I sent her a message. I was like, okay, I don't know her. I don't know. Her. She's like, oh, you need to. Blah, blah, blah. So I go to your website, girl. You got a following and this book. And, 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 and then the next thing I know, you're like everywhere. So I was like, I'm going to ask her if she want to come. And then when I find out you're in Hartford, I was like, what? Welcome. Well, thank you so much for having me. Oh, my God. You have like an amazing follower following of readers. Oh, that's. Who just love you. That feels so good. I can't even tell you. <laughs> and she's from Canada. Yeah. Which yeah. I was like, ooh, I don't know any black people <laughs> from Canada. There are a lot of us. There I know. Are a lot of us. There I know. When us. we went for the North Star, we just kept going north. <laughs> so. So, yeah, so I have the book. I have not read it yet. Okay. Because I, I know it's going to be good. So I don't want to breeze. I don't want to race through it. I want to I want to take my time and, and read savor it. it. Yes. And I don't want to read it on demand. I want to read it, you yes. know, when I can exhale and yes. breathe. So. And we all need to exhale right now. Yes. So <laughs> now you are a journalist turned full-time author, writer, novelist? Yes. I still do some journalism here and there. Um, you know, I've been leaning more on the books. But I definitely still do my uh, my share of journalism. This is not the first. Is this the first book? No, that's my second book. My first yes. book was called Earth's Waters, and it came out in two thousand seven, so mm-hmm. a little while ago. Okay. So this is the first, and that was out of um, a, a small publisher out of my hometown in Montreal. Okay. So this is a uh, new book, um, and it's kind of. <laughs> hey, what are you doing, Harry? <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh, so it's been a while since it's been a, a lot of years between the two books. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like, you know, reintroducing myself to a lot of new readers. OK, that's mm-hmm. good. So now tell me, what is it about this story that you wanted to tell? Like, what is it about this story? Well, I think there's a lot in there. Um, I think if we're talking about themes, one of the things uh, that's in the book that I hope people come away with is about forgiveness. And <laughs> thank you is about forgiveness. And um, every character in that book, especially the protagonist, is dealing with some forgiveness, forgiving mm-hmm. themselves, forgiving um, another person, forgiving a situation that they that's out of their control and moving forward. And another thing that I think is important in the book is and I hope people readers come away with this idea, too, is about compassion mm-hmm. and how. We need it. <laughs> we all need compassion. We need each other and we need to have compassion for each other's, you know, mm-hmm. stories and each other's situations. Because I think, especially in the social media world, you see everyone's filtered, flawless life and you <laughs> not have mine. no idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so not you mine. You have no idea what's really going on, you know? And and I think um, this character, uh, Best Lightburn, is a prime example of that, of how you can kind of put forth you know, the image that you want people to see. And there could be a lot of pain and a lot of suffering going on underneath or behind that. Mm-hmm. So I, I think compassion is a big, a 
big uh, theme in the book, if I can say so. So now when you are writing these books, are you committed to having a story that has a, a moral fiber to it? Or like how conscious are you about the kinds of stories that you want to tell? I think I'm not looking for a moral or a lesson, but mm-hmm. I think for me it's about telling a story that is real. Okay. That people can relate to and that maybe some reader would be like, oh, me too. I felt that. Or this is something that I've always wondered about or this is something I'm curious about. Um, and having an opportunity for me as a writer to delve into someone else's experience, someone else's life. And I'm a curious person. Some people call me nosy. <laughs> But um, I think that helps me to sort of understand, you know, the human condition is Mm -hmm. to try to see the other side of something, Mm -hmm. see where somebody made a decision or made a choice that may have been, quote unquote, a bad choice, but trying to understand what got them there. So those are the kinds of things that interest me. And I'm I'm thinking other readers would be as well. So how did you get here? What's the story? The story of the story of me, my story? Yes. Well, I've always been fascinated by storytelling. Mm -hmm. I think I've said before in other interviews that storytelling is the most important thing about human beings because it's what makes us us. It's what makes us humans. I don't know any other animals who are out there telling (laughs) stories. I don't know if your cat has a story. But um, I think it's the thing that sets us apart from everybody else, for every other species. And I think um, storytelling, the fact that you can using words can express your experience. You can pull someone into your um, your lived condition is fascinating to mm-hmm. me. So I've always been uh, into storytelling and my dad is a fantastic storyteller. He would have us locked in and just w- hanging on every word at the dinner table, talking about you know growing up in Barbados and all the quirky oh, characters he met there and okay. uh, his life growing up there and then moving to, as a young man, moving from Barbados to the cold of Canada, to Montreal oh, and Lord. all that experience. So, I mean, storytelling has always been an important part in our family. Mm-hmm. And then when I was in third grade, my favorite teacher, I, I keep saying I'm going to find him and thank him in person, but his name was Mr. Polka, Mr. Harry Polka. And he <laughs> was instrumental in my sort of path toward, you know, writing and, and telling stories because he was very much about creative writing. He didn't believe in homework, which was made him wow. one, of, one of the popular teachers at oh. the time. But because he was like, you know, your parents don't take home their work. So why should you? Oh, my God. So he, he was all about he's kind of hippie, hippie, hippie kind of, kind of guy <laughs> back then. But he was all about, you know, doing the work, being present and doing the work while you're there. Mm hmm. Um, he was really big on creative writing. So we had our journals, we had our little notebooks at school, and he was very interested in what we had to say. I mean, these little third graders. And he made us feel as though, made me feel as though what I had to say was important and needed to be heard. And Mm -hmm. it helped me to continue to do that, continue telling these stories. For the longest time, it was just for myself. I'd be writing, you know, you know, my own little creative stories. In fact, I think I delved into fan fiction Way, way, way back before it became a, before it even had a name. I used to love this show, Miami Vice. Yes. On NBC. Who I, did love this? Oh my yes. gosh. I was Crockett and Tubbs, Crockett and Tubbs. <laughs> Crockett was my favorite. But um, so I would watch the show and I would record it on our, our VCR. I'm dating myself, I know. Mm. I would record it on our VCR and then like watch it, watch it, watch it. And then what I started doing was writing my own stories where I was Crockett. 
And another friend of mine who also loved the show was Tubbs. So I'd write my own stories based on kind of on loosely based on what I had just seen. So I was just always interested in like creating up, creating stories and characters and situations. And I think I just never lost that. Mm -hmm. I never lost the love for that. And um, shortly after that, I, you know, in school was thinking, was always writing for myself, but never had the confidence to say, this is what I want to do for a living. Okay. And I hear that a lot with, with writers, more mm -hmm. so than anybody else. In any other profession, I hear that about writers. They're never quite sure. Yes. Yes. Because for the longest time, you're just writing for yourself. No one else sees it. And you're not concerned about what anybody, what anyone's opinion is of your writing. So mm -hmm. you're just all, you're sort of in a bubble about yeah, it. Yeah. And then you just don't have the confidence to say, this is what I'm writing and I want the world to read it. You know, it feels very personal and very intimate. So for me, it took a, a little while to say, to make that shift toward, I'm going to do this for a living mm -hmm. in a real way, in a public way. And when did that happen? Because you, 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 you went off to college and all mm -hmm, of that, right? Mm -hmm. I did. I started um, getting into my interest in journalism. So fact-based storytelling okay. was what pulled Which me in. Which is so lost right now. Yeah. <laughs> Goodness gracious. <laughs> Fake news. Let's not get into that. But it's, it's kind of what brought me into writing for a living, the okay. journalism side, the fact-based storytelling side. But um, for me, <laughs> the moment that I said... I do not want to do this, this other thing was I was, I'll never forget it. I was sitting, taking the LSAT mm -hmm. to get into, oh. I was thinking about being a lawyer. Oh. And uh, I was thinking about being a corporate lawyer because I figured, you know, that's one place where you're talking a lot and you're sort of building a story and all of that. And you're not, you're not defending someone, you know, reprehensible and all, you don't have to question your morals. <laughs> corporate lawyer. Oh, what was had, I thinking? <laughs> but, that, but you know what? You make it sound so right. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking, but at the time I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And I, you know, started, I was in school, I was studying, I was studying uh, mass communications. Mm -hmm. So I decided, okay, this is sort of like a solid career path to take being a lawyer. And I was taking the LSAT and in the, I remember what I was wearing. I remember the room. I sat there in the middle of it and I was like, this is not what I want to do. Oh. I do not want to do this. I don't want to do this. I want to write. And it was that moment. I don't know if it was because I, the, the pressure of like, of the seriousness of going down, you know, the LSAT, the law school path hit me, mm -hmm. but whatever it was I, in that moment, I said, I don't want to do this. I want to do that. Mm -hmm. So I decided immediately to pursue whatever I need to do to get me down the path. Now, did you take the LSAT writing. or did you? I did take the LSAT. Okay. I was taking the LSAT. I couldn't, I couldn't even tell you what my, my score was because I was so like dusting wow. my hands off. So it was, so in that moment, it was, a real, it was over. It was over. And I, it was, it's, it was one of those moments where you always remember it because you can yes. almost feel like the shift, the yeah. wheel turning. Yeah. And I was like, nope, not doing this anymore. And I never looked back. So I ended up working, um, volunteering for the school newspaper and doing some of that. That's a good All start. Of that started, you know, just pulling me down that path. And uh, I said, you know what, I've got to, when I was nearing the end of graduation, I, the end of uh, college, I said, well, if I want to do this journalism thing, I have to go to the Mecca. And so I moved to New York. Ooh. And. <laughs> oh, Lord. You are right, though. No. Yeah. I said, you know, you got to go where it's happening. You got to be mm. in the room where it happens, as they say <laughs> in Hamilton. 
<laughs> so I left and I moved to New York as I think young people do that kind of thing. They just sort of take off and That's chase a dream. That's who should do it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Young people. And uh, I ended up getting a job in public relations, which wasn't writing the kind of writing that I wanted to do. I know. I went. Uh, I was in that path. Yeah. Where, where, where did you? I was working at the Terry Williams agency. Oh my God, I worked there. No way. Yes, I worked there. I worked for her for about a, almost two years. I was her assistant. Are you serious? I am dead serious. I work uh, col- down there in Columbus Circle. Yeah, Columbus Circle. Yes. <gasps> yes. I'm going to have to go back into the recesses of my yes, mind and I, see so, if I yes. remember a bad. Oh, my God. I worked for her. Yes, I did. And 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 kept the, the little calendar. And, That's crazy. And handled all those celebrities and their stuff. Yes, and, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff. <laughs> and then I ended up from Terry Williams going over to um, the Sally Jesse Raphael show. Oh my God, I did, I did. Because um, that was one of the clients. Yes. Yeah. I did all those letters. You know, those. <laughs> this is a small, small, small world. I did all those letters when like guests would come or, you know, she'd hear about some yes. kid doing some amazing yes. thing. And Terry would be like, oh, you should write this. And I would just write it. And it's just like, because you write so flowery and so pretty. That is crazy to like, me. <laughs> yes. Well, I would probably cross paths at some point. But um, yeah, so I ended up at the Sally Jesse Raphael show, which was another sort of off the path sort of thing, another like diversion, because working for a talk show during that time of talk show sort of like cesspooly stuff, it was not the best time yeah. for talk shows. Yeah. This was not Oprah level. This was not Donahue level. It was very much like, you know, fighting yeah. on stage gotcha. and all that stuff. Yeah, a lot yeah. of gotcha, a lot of like, you know, setting people up. It was not nice. And doing that, I was like, I really don't want to be doing this. I do not, but not sure how to make the leap to where I wanted to be. But it just so happened that I think it was Sally Jesse's makeup artist or hairdresser, probably makeup artist, who said, um, she asked me this one day, what do you really want to do? And it was the one day that I just like drop all my sort of like, oh, I'm happy here. Everything's great. No, no problem. <laughs> I dropped all of that and I was like, I want to write, but like, you know, story. I don't want to write public relations releases. And she told me that Essence Magazine was looking for somebody. Girl, I was over there too. <laughs> this is crazy. I was over there too. <laughs> and it was Susan Taylor's assistant who. Deborah. Deborah. Yes. And she would talk me late nights because I was like, I don't, I don't really like this life. You know, that's crazy. She's like, I, I don't. It's just like, well, what do you want to be doing? I was like, you know. Uh, not this. I Wait, what were you doing at Essence? I, well, I was actually Terry's liaison to Essence because they had a lot of clients in. Oh, right. They had a lot of clients in um, concert to each other. Yep. And so I'd spend my time back and forth between Susan's office and Terry's office trying to be the link between the two. And That's crazy how wow. connected this is. Well, then, so after um, I applied for the job and I got it and I was working in the fashion and beauty department as the editorial <laughs> assistant. And that was my first real job in journalism Did you and work magazines. Uh, Mickey? I worked with Mickey Taylor. Yes. And She's a beautiful Mickey and woman. Harriet Cole. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I love Harriet Cole. Harriet Cole. They're great. And so I have I'm still friends with a lot of the people that I met there years ago. <laughs> Redacted years ago. And uh, we, I'm still in co- really good friends with those people. And a lot of those experiences are kind of folded into the book. I mean, I met a lot of interesting people, a lot of characters in New York, in magazines and in fashion. You you meet a lot of characters. Yes. 
And so a lot of that stuff kind of found its way in the book, but kind of Frankenstein. I didn't, you know, do a total rip off of anybody because that's always a little dangerous. But, you know, it's something that may have happened to me or somebody else. I sort of folded that into another thing and Mm -hmm. created its own brand new thing, but based in something that happened. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah. I think think public relations is a good foundation to understand how to get your best message out there. I I still use those tools. Mm -hmm. Um, I still use them and I still use them when I work with other people around the stuff that they're doing. Really. So it's interesting because I get uh, I used to get a lot of press releases and Sometimes I'm seeing them and I'm like, goodness gracious. I know. Like, who wrote this? Who wrote this? <laughs> like, they let this go. Because Terry was such a stickler about yeah. you could not. If you made a mistake, you'd have to rewrite that letter and resend that letter saying, oh, we're so sorry about that letter. It had a typo or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. And, you know, and she didn't care. She'd be like, oh, no, we, we undo the yeah, personal touch be, all the way. It's the personal touch. <laughs> yes. The personal touch. Oh, my goodness. Shark bar. And- yeah. The shark bar. This is memory lane. I memories. know. I spend a lot of Friday nights at the shark bar. <laughs> Eating wow. chicken and drinking. and yeah. That is crazy. What a blast from the past. Lord have mercy. And I think I'm way older than you. So, I mean, I was like in my 30s when I was working for her. I was I, I hadn't gotten married yet. So so I was about 30 because I got married. I was about 33. So, so I was about 30, 31 when I was working for her. And it was challenging because I'm already a grown up. Right. You know, like I'm not 20 bright eyed and like, oh, I'll do whatever you told me to do. And oh, I'll stay out all night and oh, I'll run across (laughs) town and get. Yeah. You know, at 30, it's a little different. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's like, ooh, it was challenging. It was it it was amazing. It was an amazing time. I got to do some really cool stuff. You know, MoMA and the Essence Awards. The Essence Awards. Yes. Yes. And the. um. The festival, mm-hmm. the music festival. Like yeah. I, I, when I, when I was there, um, that was the, I think it was the first year the festival kicked off. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's, that's a long time ago. That was a I big think. deal. I think it was like the first, or when they first moved it to New Orleans or wherever. Cause I don't, it didn't always start in New Orleans. I think. No, it wasn't always New Orleans. No, I think, right? I think I came on when it started. Was it like started. a traveling thing at first? I think it was, they were just trying to find venues for it mm-hmm. that made sense. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I ended up in New Orleans working on that first one. Well, that one, and that was some grueling work. Yeah. Character, I didn't even, character I didn't even, building. Girl. <laughs> <laughs> so, or something. So, all right. So you're at Essence. You're doing yes, your thing. I'm at Essence doing my thing. And then, um, I was, so that was my, I like to call it my first tour of duty in New York. <laughs> I stayed here. I was here for about three years and then, it just got to be a moment of not even too much, but I started to let that thing that happens with people who are um, ambitious. It's the double edged sword. It's the other edge of the sword where you start comparing yourself to other people. You start saying you should be further along. You should be doing this. And how come I'm not doing that? And I'm, I'm wasting my time here and second guessing everything that you're doing mm-hmm. and the validity of it. And so I started to feel like I wasn't getting ahead enough and I wasn't doing enough. And feeling a little beat down by the city because New York City is not easy. I didn't live in New York. I still lived in New Haven. And so I commuted every day. I commuted every day. So I'd get on the 659 train into New York that got me into Grand Central at about 815. And then I, I, if it was a nice day, I'd walk up to Columbus Circle. If it wasn't, I'd subway over or I'd cab over. And then I'd sometimes leave New York on the last train, like 11 o'clock, tw- like a 12 or 1 o'clock in the morning train, getting home at 3. 
showering and then turning back around and come back to New York. Oh my goodness. It's a hard life. <laughs> sometimes I've had, a, you know, sometimes, it, you know, like, uh, Terry was was friends with Jonathan Tish of the Tish the Lowe's hotels. Yeah. So sometimes they'd make a suite available for oh, me. Oh, that's good. So that was nice. But yeah. you know, but even that, I mean, at first you're like, "Ooh, this is cool." But it's just you're after of, a while, yeah. you're like, you want to be home. I just want to go home. Yeah. I like some, my clothes. I like to, you know. I mean, you know, it's a lovely hotel. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. I've been here too long. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, you know, New York can be tough. It can be hard, especially if you're getting into the arts or any kind of creative yes. field. It's just, you have to really um, be brave about it yeah. and stick to it and, and have knock tenacity. yourself out. Yeah. Yes. There's a lot of work that goes into all of it. It's, yes. Nothing comes easy. All and of there's it. No, there are really no overnight successes. You hear that a lot like, oh, this is the 16 years in the making overnight success, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> So it just, it started to wear on me. Mm-hmm. And I ended up taking a vacation to Barbados. I had not been there. That's my family's from Barbados. And I had not been there in like maybe 12 years at the time. So I took a trip there and um, really liked the vibe and the sort of slower pace of things. Um, I mean, it was, it was what I needed at that time to mm-hmm. be like, okay, just take a breath and slow down. So I ended up extending my vacation. It was like I was there for maybe seven days or a week and a half. And then I extended it to two weeks and a half. And I started looking around to see, like, could I live here? <laughs> and um, I went and I, like I, that. I went and started asking around at the newspapers. There were two newspapers, The Advocate and The Nation at Bar- in Barbados. And I ended up getting a job offer at oh. The Nation. Whoa. In Barbados. So I made the move. <gasps> I came back and I was like, I mean, everyone was like, what? What are you doing? You're going to the islands? And I was like, this is yes. what I need. And I'm so glad I listened to myself and I didn't get swayed by people's opinions of like, are you sure? You know, And I just went with it. And I ended up, I lived and worked in Barbados for just under two years. Wow. And it was perfect. It That's was like a it was fantasy. Really it was really good because um, I had a job there and it, that job was in line with what I like doing, you know, mm-hmm. journalism, you're, you're being nosy, you're asking questions, you're digging into things, you're reporting on stories, but also it gave me an opportunity to reintroduce myself to the island, the people, and get to know myself a little bit more yeah. and understanding what I, what I wanted to do and what I liked and what I didn't like and just getting more sure of myself. And after that sort of slowed down living where, you know, Sundays, things are closed. <laughs> a, a bank holiday is a bank holiday. People are like, relax. I mean, this is way before, the, you know, the social media explosion and all that stuff where you're kind of like on all the time. All the time. You can yes. actually turn off in, you know, in, in the mm-hmm. Caribbean. And after that started to sort of be too slow for me, I said, okay, I think I'm, I'm ready to go back, back into, back into the pool. <sighs> and uh, I ended up going back to um, Canada, back okay. to Toronto. And I, that at that time, it was when like dot-com was just building. Oh. So I ended up partnering with a woman named Natasha and she was a designer. I was the writer. And we created this online magazine. Uh, it was called She Networks. And it was a network of sites all about the 20-something woman. And it was kind of like we had She Reads, She Money, She Bites and B-Y-T-E-S. It was all about computer and tech. I like that. So we had a whole thing. And it was great because we had, we got five male investors to give us half a million dollars. Oh my God. And so then we ended up going to, um, Oh Lord. So then (laughs) she's got a headache about it. (laughs) 
like, we moved. I, I didn't have a good path. You have such a good path. Like, I don't, what? And I'm sitting here thinking, what am I doing? <laughs> well, it was great because it was one of those things where opportunity met up with us being prepared. Okay. You know, and yes. we had worked on this thing and we really, I mean, it was my first time putting together a business plan, which was involved. I didn't know anything about the financials on the, so it just took a lot of work and understanding what we were trying to do mm-hmm. and being able to present that case to someone in a way that was effective, that they believed they were like, we're signing on. We want to see this do well. And it was also at the time where people were betting on new ideas, yeah. you know, in dot com. That it was, was a lot really of like, good. Yeah. You know, it was a time where it was like, if you can dream it, we're going to finance we're gonna it. Finance. Yeah. I love that, though. And it was great. It was really good in terms of your confidence as an entrepreneur, as as a free thinker and as a creative person. So that worked until it stopped <laughs> because the dot com bomb happened where it was like, OK, no, no one's making money. Everything's closing down. What, you know, I mean, you know, so we had like some high moments. I mean, we were in Wired magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a couple profiles here and there. We were in a couple books and we were doing well. We had a staff. We had like 15 people. Wow. Our, like this staff. is a big deal. I was in San Francisco and my business Girl. partner was in Toronto. So we, you know, it was good. But then it started to be like, you know, how are we? a lot of the investors started to wake up to like, okay, so where's our return on investment? Where's it all coming? And I mean, not just us. It was like across the board in the industry. A lot of companies that were bigger than us, way bigger than us, started to shut down or Mm -hmm. scale back and then shut down. Mm -hmm. So it became apparent that we were not going to be able to, it was not sustainable. We were not going to be able to keep the staff. We were not going to be able to keep going. And we were running out of money, not getting much money in. And, um, at that point, I was like, okay, uh, I think we're going to have to shut this down, which we did. And I moved to Southern California where my parents were. And at that moment, I felt like a failure. With all that had been going, all the high points, mm-hmm. I felt like, gosh, I left my parents' house at 19. And here I am 10 years later coming going back. back. <laughs> you know, and it, for whatever reasons, yeah. and I was on the cusp of turning 30. And all of that just started to weigh on me like, oh, this is not great yeah i didn't do well and again that's just me I, being hard you know on what? myself you know? I, but i think that's i think that is unique to women because i don't you know think so? i don't think men do that i don't think men think oh i failed at this you know men like well i'm gonna go to my parents house regroup and then i'm gonna jump off into something else you know what you might be right i think there are a lot of men that sort of think like oh this is just a pit stop this is a pit stop we yeah. take it as oh my life is this is where my life is yeah we don't think of it as a pit stop we yeah. think it stopped. Oh man, I'm not, this is it. This is it for yeah, me. Yeah, like oh, I'm always gonna be here. Yes, no. And yeah, you can't see right. beyond that. This pit stop moment that mm-hmm. that we pause. all have, right? Because yeah, Cause, yeah. Come, so we have to reorient ourselves to yeah. another to another to the next level. Yeah, but we don't. I mean, I know this now at, at 53 that I didn't recognize at 23 or 33, mm-hmm. but I recognize it now. So when I have these moments of doubt or insecurity, I was like, "This is just a moment." Yeah. Just, it's just this is a pause. Just, I'm a pivot, right? Just like, right? <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So that's interesting that you had that that, yeah, that awareness. I did. And you know, a, a friend of mine, a new friend of mine, she's a writer named Abby Fabiashi. She, uh, her book, her new book just came out uh, last this week on Tuesday. She had a talk, and she was talking about um, she had been working on this particular book for ten years, and it, within the ten years, there were moments where she stopped working on it for like a year and a half, and she was doing other things. And she said she had been working in, in high tech industry and she'd been in, on the sales side. And she said that 
something that she learned from her father and from other people that she was working with in that industry is that rejection is just feedback. And I was like, huh. I like that. I never wise. thought about that. I mean, I wish I thought about that back then. Mm-hmm. Who knows? I may not have, I could have done other things and I would not be here right now talking with you. But the idea that it's not rejection, it's someone giving you feedback on what you have to fix and what you yeah. have to like retool. Yeah. And I, li- and I like that thinking. I think yeah. that's where I, that's, that's why, that's how I feel now. Yeah. I can see things better now at this point. Yeah. I've had a lot of experiences, a lot of highs, a lot of lows, a lot, a lot of lows. And, and, and just sort of figured out, you know, that's just to reorient me. That's yeah. my GPS just saying, you know what, let's go in an entirely new direction. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, not that way, this way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but I think, I think that's, that's an age thing, though. I think you grow into, if you're lucky, yeah. you grow into that kind of awareness, yeah. you know, particularly women and, and, and more importantly, women of color, because we have so many other things that we have to, you know, shoulder. Yes. And carry. You yeah. Know, I mean, yeah. race and gender, you know, some days it's about gender and some days it's about race and some days it's race and gender and economics you know what i mean like it's always it's never like one single thing it's Mm -hmm. always some you know i think that's maybe why a lot of white men have that attitude of like this is just a pit stop yeah because they can be solely focused they can have the blinders on in that way and just be focused on oil this business didn't work and i'm not worried about my right gender or my race all that that all ties into the privilege of being a white a white man and 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 if they're married they don't shoulder, and that, and I think that's a men thing, white or black, that um, they can pivot without worrying about well, who's going to get the kid to daycare, how, how is dinner going to get made, mm-hmm. how, you know, little Lu- Lucy has a has has a play, and mm-hmm. you know, so those things don't become their reality unless not on their list. Yeah, it's not on their list. I yeah. remember, I remember telling somebody, you know, when I was married. Uh, and I was a politician. I was all these different things. And I was like, you know, when I when I would go on a trip, a business trip or whatever, you know, I had to have a list of, you know, the numbers to, call, you know, I didn't, you know, like it was like a whole dossier of, yeah. OK, this is what you do. Paint by numbers. Da, da, da. He would go on a trip and he'd be like, bye, honey. I'll see you when I get back. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I was like, wait a minute. Wait a Where's minute. Where's the list? <laughs> like, what? It's like, oh yeah, get my dry cleaning. Oh, okay, that's, and that's about it. That's the list. But so I see that with women all the time. You know that we sort of juggle these things. Yeah. Um, and even if you're a single woman too, I mean, it's it's still, uh, you know, an interesting dynamic where you're juggling gender and whatever else. So mm-hmm. it's true. So it's true. All right. So let's continue with the story. Oh, gosh, where were we? So, <laughs> so you're like, going back home to your parents' house. Went back home to that. Oh, I went back to them, started the company. We moved on to dot com. Oh, excuse me. No, went back home to them and was having a moment of what is my life? Oh, my gosh, <laughs> I'm a failure. All of that. And um, that's when I started. I picked back up the story that I had started when I was living in Barbados. Oh. And so I ended up having to quote unquote humble myself and get a job job. You know, this is a, I'm one of those like, I'm a creative. Okay. I'm going to have to go do reception at the auto dealership or whatever, you know, Yes, because that's the reality. Cause you got to eat and you, you got to pay yeah. your way. And I'm like, okay, this is, and you know what, in, in a way having a job job for me 
helped to motivate me yeah. on because yeah. I didn't want to stay stuck in right. the job job. Right. I mean, for some people, that's what they want to do and that's fine. But for me, I wanted more than a job job. Yeah. I wanted a career. I wanted a vocation. I wanted something that felt like this is my calling. This is what I enjoy doing. I have passion for it. Yeah. I didn't want to just clock in and clock out. Mm -hmm. So having a job job helped me to, you know, sort of like lit the fire because I was like, I don't want to stay here. So I got to keep, you know, looking around and seeing how I can make the move to where I want to be. So I ended up um, going back to that book that I started writing when I was in Barbados that was set in Barbados and started really getting into it. And so much so that I would, you know, have that be my job. Like I'd wake up in the morning, oh, shower. And that's go what and they sit say down. you should do. Yeah, I still do that. I would go and I'd sit down at, you know, like nine o'clock is when I'm starting or whatever time it was. And I would have a block of time where I was just working. And, you know, my everyone in the house knew like, oh, well, she's writing right now. You know, everyone respected that, which I really appreciate to this day that there was no like, oh, brother, get down here. You know, it was like, oh, they respected that I was doing something that I felt serious about and that I was committed to. That's a real gift. Yeah, it really oh was. And that's goodness. why my family is very, very special. I mean, they've always, always supported everything that I'm doing, you know, mm -hmm. and they continue to, to this day. So I started writing this book and I had a friend that I had met in Barbados. He was also a writer and a journalist. And so I started sending him pages by fax machine. So oh, that's telling you. <laughs> I mean, we were on the internet, but it was still like easier yes. to just fax these pages to him. And so I was, you know, uh, sending him pages and working along. And then I decided, you know, okay, I targeted out, looked at the calendar. I said, I want to go back to New York. I think it's time. I'm ready. I'm in a stronger place. I feel mm -hmm. more solid in myself. Mm -hmm. And I said I was going to go back to New York, move back to New York in, I said it was like October of 2001 was what I was my plan. But then 9-11 happened and I was like, oh dear, this is not a good time to come back, to go back because everything was, oh, the world over just it, it, really, it, it really was. I, I was on my, I was supposed to be on my way to Paris to renew my vows. And it was, and it, the travel agent was like, well, it probably is the safest time to go there. But I, you know what? Let me reroute you to like Mexico. That's <laughs> 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 a reroute, reroute, yeah. So um, that extended my sort of, that delayed my move back for a full year. I didn't end up moving back until December of 2002. Mm -hmm. And I've been back since then. But so, yeah, I was writing this, this book and he I was sending him pages all along. And even in... Um, 2000 by the time I moved back to New York I was still working on it you know mm -hmm. and I felt I was in a groove with it but you know there was no sort of urgency I was just writing this thing and I felt committed to it okay and then maybe maybe three years in after moving back here my friend said you know this is really good do you mind if I do you mind if I share it with my publisher and I was Whoa. like, sure. I love, I love, <laughs> yeah. this, see, this is such a good story. And so then um, he said, you know, on the condition that there's no guarantee, they might say no to it. But, and I was just like honored that he felt it was good enough to take it to his publisher. And I didn't have an agent at the time. So it was going directly to his publisher and they came back and they said yes to it. And they <gasps> want to publish it. So I was working at ESPN. The oh, magazine. I'm so <laughs> hanging around you. You have such good, you have good mojo. <laughs> Knocking on wood here. 
<laughs> I um, so I ended up I was working at ESPN at the time. Uh, Is that how you got to Connecticut? How did you get to Connecticut? No. Well, okay, so so finish. I was that, at but... ESPN in New York. Okay. So I was working for ESPN.com, but I was working out of the magazine offices, and they were on they were on Thirty Fourth Street, right across from the Empire State, mm-hmm. and um, they were uh, the magazine had been there for a while. They only how I got to Connecticut is because I met my husband at ESPN, so he <laughs> works at ESPN, and he. Uh, he is the uh, executive editor at the magazine. Uh-huh. So when the magazine moved, they made a decision a couple years ago to move the magazine to the headquarters in Bristol, Connecticut. Yes. Which was a shock because they had been threatening it for a while, but people were like, that's never going to happen. If you're a magazine, you have to be in, in New, New York, York City. And Not anymore. lo and behold, it did happen. So like four years ago, four or five years ago, I can't even remember now, they... Uh, moved the entire magazine to the headquarters. So now everything is housed, except for some like satellite, you know, um, offices in uh, LA and in, in yes. the city, but they're more on the business end, but everything is housed in Bristol, Connecticut. So that's how we ended up in, in Connecticut. Now, how long have you been married? We've been married. We just celebrated 10 years in September Whoa. last year. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Yeah. 10 years. We All went right. to Paris. <laughs> <laughs> I think we have some kind of alternate parallel existence i don't know i think we were destined to meet today like i think i think you're a part of my destiny for some reason i don't know what that is but i'm yeah. loving this story we went to paris first time paris. For both it's my of us. favorite city it is our new favorite city it's my favorite city it is really and you know what beautiful. i like about paris you know what else my other city is new orleans because it makes me think of paris i i want to go to new orleans i really do it, it will make you feel like paris if you could get rid of the new the new orleans people oh dear <laughs> Bab said it, not I'm me. I'm sorry. I, I love Nola, <laughs> but you know, I love I love New Orleans for that reason. That when you're there, it makes you think of Paris. Yeah, it's a it's a. You might not see it immediately, but after a while, you are like, you know, I feel I feel some kind of way. That's well, a, I'm uh, from Montreal, so oh there's well, that, then that, you know. I felt oh. you know there was a little connection there as well. Yes. Montreal is a very European feel to it. Yes, for it sure. Does. Yes, but um. Yeah, Paris was beautiful. It, it, it was just gorgeous. And we went in September and it was like oh, perfect like weather. Weather, yes. And you know what? And the crowds are better. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. you can actually get around without mm-hmm. all the touristy people. Yeah, we were like plotting, like, how can we get back here? How can we get I back know, here immediately? Yeah, I'm plotting now. I'm like, I'm pl- plotting now. Do yeah. I have what, five minutes, Harry? I can't have five minutes. I need 10 <laughs> minutes. Give me 10 minutes. <laughs> this, this story's getting good. <laughs> Well, put the fast forward on. So I, I wrote that book. It got published in 2007. And then I was, at that time, I was a freelancer on the journalism side. And I ended up working contract work. So I was an editor okay. at Women's Health Magazine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, doing my thing and living in New York and writing on the side, as they say. And um, then we ended up moving here. And that's when I said, okay, I am, I'm still a journalist. But I'm really going to turn my focus like 100% on the books. Okay. And that's that's how we ended up with The Thunder Beneath Us that just came out in October of yes. 2016. Yes. Here it is. End of October. And uh, I've got another book coming out oh, yes. this year. I, you know, I saw that I saw that, that blurb somewhere. Yes. So now, can you can you? I leak? can't tell you the title yet. All and right. I can't tell you anything else All really. Right. But it's another story that's set in New York. Mm-hmm. Primarily, and uh, is another 
young woman who has a very big secret. And it's at its heart, the story is about the lengths we'll go to construct and protect our ideal selves. Oh, God. So I think she just stole my diary. Oh, <laughs> have mercy. So NicoleBlades.com. NicoleBlades.com. Yes. Yes. And on Twitter, it's Nicole Blades. Okay. And on Instagram, it's Nicole underscore Blades. <laughs> and on Facebook, it's writer Nicole Blades. Now, you're a foodie. Oh, yeah. I yeah. want to make sure I get that in because you're a foodie because yeah. I watched a couple of your videos where you're like cooking. Like, are you vegan all the way? I, I used to be a vegetarian for years and years and years. And then I just recently, maybe when my, just when I was trying to get pregnant. So my son's going to be eight. So oh. eight years ago, I put... um chicken and turkey back in but only if we make it at home and we buy it so i know where it is yeah. what it's about yeah. what's what, what the chicken was doing before it was <laughs> i need to know because chicken got me, me really really sick let me tell you i have raised i have four children Th three of them are teenagers well they all were teenagers at one point but i mean at, at the same time but my oldest one is at spell i'm at uh bennett in north carolina so they were raised on organic wonderful farm stuff do you know that these children have turned their backs so i'm just be prepared so just be prepared when you see that child eating some processed oh, chicken no. nugget and you'll be like what <laughs> just know that it is pressure peer pressure wow. and yes and you know they my kids weren't raised on soda and they will drink a soda now and <laughs> like who are you people oh like, no oh. they betrayed you <laughs> yes and they're like mom we we just want some of the bad stuff every now and again <laughs> That's fair. So that's just fair. Be prepared. You know, you're doing all these wonderful things and he won't appreciate it, but he will come back to it. So, well, you know, what's funny is he's eight and he doesn't know what, like he, for the longest time, he was only introduced to brown bread. So one time we went when he was like maybe five, oh, I had that we went experience. somewhere and they, they, saw they white only bread. had white bread and he was kind of like, what the hell what is this? <laughs> <laughs> My kids did the same thing. They were like, wait, so they had the bread and they were like, what? <laughs> it looks so foreign. Like, mom, what's wrong with this? Why is it so white? <laughs> and then people were looking at me like, "What kind of bread do you have at your house?" I'm like, well, they don't eat. White. They only eat wheat bread. We don't eat that kind of bread. <laughs> you know. Oh, I, so I've had that experience. Yes. Yes. Yep. So this has been such a pleasure Same to talk here. to you. Yes. I'm so glad I came. Listen, she brought all these good gifts. Everybody, like the big giant mug, which is going to be, you know, the place where I put all sacred drinks. <laughs> This will fit a can of beer, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, a, a card of Langston Hughes because it's Black History Month. Yep. And no Black is, History Month. No Not African-American History Month. You know Black what? History Month. You know, I'm so tired of these people. Don't get I'm done started. with them. It's Black. You say whatever you want, Mr. Trump. Mm. And then, wait. So then she brings me the, 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 the books of the illustrator who I adore. Mm -hmm. I adore her. Veronica is fantastic. I go and find her Christmas cards because, you know, they were selling them TJ Maxx. Oh, yes, yes. And so I told her this year, I said, where are the cards? I don't see them. She's like, oh, I don't have them this year out, but you can order them directly from the website. So I'm like, oh. Mm -hmm. And then Adrian Neves. I finally got a piece of your authentic piece of work. And Nicole brought it to me i i you know i can't tell you how this means to me because I, I love her work and i've been trying to save my pennies to yeah. like either buy something or yeah. you know ask or commission something I like, I like, she, she is fantastic oh and i love and her new hair good person she is a good person mm -hmm. 
and I love her babies. They're so beautiful. Oh, they're so cute. They're so beautiful. And they, you know when they and when they have their meltdowns, and she's like, you know, and I was like, girl, I done been there, done that. Is it real? Like, keep, just stay focused. So, so it's nice to meet you today. Same here. All right, Harry. I know. I hear the music. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Johnny King, for writing this song for your sister Evelyn Champagne King, and you let me play it. One hundred three point five WNHH. Live stream on NewHavenIndependent.org. This is Babs, and this is Love Babs, Love Talk. And I'll be back on Monday at 9 o'clock. And next Friday, I don't know who I'm talking to. Oh, yes, pundits in uh, 15 minutes. I'll see y'all. <laughs> Thank you, Nicole. Make you smile, I won't be putting up with this bull. It'll live.